speaking with Eleanor Machalka, illustrator and fine artist. Enjoy. I've been um, working a lot and I just sort of um, took off some time, I guess, the second week of February. So since then, I've been um, on a break. Break from? Uh, I was art directing a show at Titmouse for a TV animation and it was it's gonna air oh it just got announced gentry let me find what's it. that let me find the um so titmouse i'm looking at the website right now titmouse is, it, is, is it dig man is it oh yeah it, no the show is gentry here is the show blurb um it's being produced by Ali Wong. Um, oh, I didn't know Lucy Liu was part of it. Wait, oh. How did you end up here? Um, so I, okay, so you know me through the context of like gallery stuff, like fine art stuff more. Um, well, I remember you were in a kind of crisis about <laughs> you were doing animation studio stuff. I don't recall the show, but then you were also edging towards fine art and you did a residency at Skowhegan, I believe. Mm -hmm. Is that fair? Yes. And then you realized that you liked working with people and, <laughs> and your friends and then you went back to animation? Yes. Or... Is that a kind of concise explanation? Yeah, I think, I think specifically it was uh, the the activities in in that more like um, I guess academic side of fine art. Um, I wasn't interested in like more of the the writing and the um, kind of like conceptualizing what it is you're what it is you're making and you know doing it intelligently i think that was just something i hadn't had one any training for because i think a lot of the people that i met at skahegan just just had so much depth of knowledge of art history and you know culture and how art and culture you know having a dialogue whereas i'm just like i'm coming from cartoon land um you know and i was more interested in the exercise of the craft itself so I guess, and, and for me, it just felt like too soon before I, like, I, I was like, I, I don't even know how to make what I'm trying to make, much less have some kind of grand theory about it. But that is, that was just my personal take at the time, but I still, what Scott Hagen did was it opened my eyes to the possibilities, I guess, 
So what are those possibilities? Um, I don't know, doing something like finding a deep, meaningful connection between what you're making and why it, why it's meaningful and why, why it would matter. Because I think, and I think some artists, I mean, that's what we, that just seems to be the, the pinnacle, I guess, of a lot of the, the best artists today and the the artists, the fine artists working that we, we really admire. Um, but it just seems like that's, you know, if you have that, especially at an earlier, like, you know, before you're 30, like that's incredible, but it just seems so rare. And to have your whole career based on, I don't know. I, I don't know if you want to keep all of this in there. It's probably just me bitching about fine art, but. Um, no, I don't think you're bitching about fine art. I don't hear any, I don't hear any bitching. <laughs> I think, I think you're being overly flattering to what a fine artist does in some ways. Um, mm. But, but maybe I'm a little jaded towards that, that orientation. It's just so hard for me to look at it from, I've definitely opened up and appreciated artists who are more in service of others, not in an entertainment sense or, or just to make money, but I think it's self-expression is overrated as an end goal mm-hmm. in all ways. I mm-hmm. think it borders on, you know, it's weird how it borders on like a narcissism, but it can make the most beautiful things at times. So yes. I don't just assume, although I think, and it's a question I ask a lot of people, cause I like people who are on the edge of design and art and commercial work and, and fine art. I think there's a shame that can arise from the the person who's not the fine artist uh, that mm-hmm. like they're doing something inferior or wrong because mm-hmm. it isn't solely about them and their, their feelings and expressions um, that I yeah. think everyone grapples with. Or that it's not coming from some authentic or it's somehow inauthentic, which is where sure. I think I took, that's like true. that's, that's where it kind of stopped working or feeling right for me because it did feel authentic to work in a group and to not have to like blab my thoughts, you know, like, I don't know, just, just felt like I felt fine taking a more uh, backseat. But ironically then I just, um, what I did do in animation was I became more of like a manager. So I was working as an art director for the past few years on several different projects, but, um, and Did you, you know, instead it? of taking a backseat, I think, you know, it just felt, it's, it's felt good to still, um, feel like you're contributing to some important cause. And I think that's what I like the most about animation because on any level, like whether you're a painter or a designer, like just any stage of the process, it's, I've seen people just feel so good about contributing to something that, you know, what they're doing is actually mattering and that, you know, it's just really exciting. And I liked that. And that it just felt like more generous than having to like scrabble for, you know, any bit of attention that you can get in or, you know, any kind of, uh, for me, it just felt harder to access that meaning on my own. In, you know, yeah. I think that's fair. I don't think that's, it's meant for everyone that path. And well, I, don't I think, think what was missing, though. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. I I didn't have a community 
in the fine art world. And so what I found, what I you know noticed and what I see now, if I were to go back, maybe just having that would make all the difference. So who knows? Yeah. Well, by definition, it's a loner's game, largely, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so you find that the animation you work on is meaningful. Is that mm-hmm. fair? Yeah. Like, because a lot of people don't, I mean, I know a lot of animators who work on bullshit, you know, that's just, <laughs> they, and that would, that's the hardest thing for me, right? Uh, I don't have the grace to accept working on a project where I don't have a high level of control in the outcome. Mm-hmm. Although I work with a lot of people nowadays mm-hmm. and I can see that that might be a flaw, but it would just be heartbreaking. I remember I had a friend who animated, he worked on a, the movie robots. This is not a film people really think about, you know, that film. Uh, Oh yeah. Wait, the one with Rodney Copperbottom. It's a terrible film. It's just bad, you know, and he's a great artist and he worked, Oh, it's cute. Yeah, these are cute. Yeah, I remember. It's horrible. It's so bad. But I remember being young. I kind of looked up to him and it was literally like I animated these three to five seconds of this scene right here. Mm -hmm. And it took me this or that long, you know, and I was like, wow, I don't have because I wanted to be an animator at some point. I was like, I don't I can't do that. I cannot accept being um, at the behest of another's direction. And And like you're saying, I mean, a managerial position is is interesting in the sense of you have to deal with human psychology so frequently. It starts to feel like it's not about art. At least that's my experience. Just about kind of managing incentive structures and emotions. And that's what felt meaningful to me. I think. Um, yeah. Because it was like, I think there was the necessary phase where I was, and I mean, I'm still in like, still constantly having to work on, you know, just how to draw, like that's always, it's, and how to paint, like, that's always something that it feels like you can't get too complacent with, but, um, I got to a point with, with like my craft, like just creating the art that, I felt like I had maybe reached my personal limit. It was like, I, I just don't think I can work any faster than this. Um, I don't think I can output anymore. Um, but what I felt more able to do, and also just because like, either I would just get too hung up on the technical, like, oh, it's like, like there are some artists and that, I, and that I've worked with that just, there's just some, there's no gap between their, the image in their mind and their hand and they just it just pours out of them like just so easily yeah um and for me it can take just a little like i guess like, there's just more of a it doesn't flow as as well but there are other things that i can do within that that i can do much better and quickly and so it's like instead of spending a whole day painting a painting i can help five people paint five paintings in one day um and just knowing like, oh, this would help if they knew this about what they're working on, this would probably help them. You know, if I knew this, I would get it done a lot faster. So then it is, it's, it's helpful to know the process myself, know that I'm not the best at it, but then know how to help others because I can see what would, what would have helped me. 
Um, yeah, so that I think is not meaningful. It sounds like maturation, the process mm-hmm. of understanding limits that you have inherently, and then the process of trying to strengthen the, your weaknesses that can realistically be altered. Yeah. Like I, I think everyone has an essential being that they can't run away from. And they have to work with essentially, crudely speaking, the cards they're dealt. Like this is just what you got. And yes. You can't suddenly turn into the opposite of yourself no matter what you try to do. Um mm. and working on a team is the easiest way to highlight that. Collaboration as well taught me very quickly, like, oh wow, I'm not that good at this thing. And I probably never will be as good as that person <laughs> I'm working with. And mm-hmm. But that doesn't make you any less. Like that makes you no. It's like something to be celebrated, and I don't know. I just I found that to be super attractive about that industry. I will say that you know there is also the other side of it being you know when it's not when when it just doesn't work, it can really not work. When it works well, the system it's just it's so cool. But then when yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work. It's really, it can be really broken and suck and not be fun. So I think that's what fascinates me about Miyazaki is he, he, um, it's almost like he begrudgingly acknowledges the need for a team. I mean, he's very respectful of his team, but at the same time, his level of involvement seems to border on a type of micromanagement that is fascinating to me. Where he's like almost, yeah. in, I think he's involved with every keyframe in the film. Um, yeah. Well, doesn't he story? Doesn't he just storyboard the whole movie himself or something like that? Something crazy like that? I think. Uh, yeah. It's it's this interesting tension to me of like, he must surely know that he's just a master. And I've read a lot of books about him where he can acknowledge like, oh, this other person who works for me is a master as well, and there's no way I could have done it without them. Oh wow. It it feels so. Um, I don't know when I think about it and I can't help but think about them because it's, it's such an insane maintenance of quality over one person's lifetime. And that can only be done with that kind of mania. Like I think teamwork, like you're saying can cut both ways when it's, it's like a domino effect. It can, you can really get a lot of momentum in one direction or another. And, and as a manager, which is so far into the art mindset, I find like managing is not, the same muscle but yeah there's something human about it right like there's something heartwarming but at least for me as the more i become a manager the more i'm like man when can i carve out time to just be a like alone oh yeah and draw and be frivolous uh, especially because there's such even utility can become a kind of burden um mm-hmm. So it seems, I mean, it seems like everyone needs a different diet or recipe in terms of like the ratio of utility and expression. And I guess I'm very just drawn to people who are are perpetually um, caught in some tension between the two. I'm not terribly interested in complacency or, or satisfaction. And of course, Miyazaki is. It seems like a very dissatisfied person in some ways. <laughs> well, I'm like, I was sitting here being like, is that like King? Is he like acting like more like a King or a warrior? Or maybe he's just like that warrior King type. That's like, he's not comfortable just delegating. And like, he, he also has to prove 
and hone and like act in the field as well. I don't know. He's super rare. I feel like he gets away with it. Not, not many other people can. Is that a specific archetype? I don't know. I feel like I've seen the term warrior king. King. I I think he's, what's so funny is like when people are begrudgingly something as if something, as that thing is calling them, they're usually great at something. But when someone is reading books about how to find their calling and in my view, they like, they don't understand the flow of life, Mm. like the way life tells you what to do. Mm-hmm. Like you submit to that essentially in my view and and you don't have a choice i don't think it's weird because i believe in very much in will and 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 choices but i can also mm-hmm. see that in my life certain books have called me forth certain projects and it doesn't feel like it's a decision that i made it just sounds it feels like something i willed myself through um almost like an itch that's probably a very cynical take, but it feels like an itch that I have to just itch until it's over mm-hmm. or bleed, whatever. Well, is it will? So you, what do you mean you willed yourself through? Willed yourself through? Well, because I feel like I could be called and then I could just hypothetically lay on a bed for 10 years and just like be <laughs> haunted by it mm-hmm. and then just like disintegrate. But mm-hmm. uh, there's some carrot on the end of the stick in the metaphysical sense there. I'm like, I have to... I, I don't know when making a comic, it, it doesn't feel it's not joyous for me, you know, like uh, there's a mm. tension there and there's a feeling of like I need to get I see to the end and be released and then be captured again. It's very Whoa. strange. That's so cool. That's so beautiful. Um, but is that relatable? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that's like the. Yeah, maybe absolutely. you don't feel that way. No, no. Well. Sorry, hang on. Let me gather my my concentration. To understand the flow, it's like to me what you're talking about is the dance between the ego and like the id or something, where it's just the the mind, the parent and the child. Like the child being like, "I want to go do this thing," and then our mind, our parent, and and I think the people who are reading the how to find your passion books are that's those are the people that have a really strong like inner parent, you know, right. and then the people that are just like compelled to do it because they have to. That's feel it just feels like that's where the child is a little bit more um in at the lead. But it doesn't mean, you know, I think the ideal would just be a good dialogue between the two to say sure, you can go make this comic, but make sure, you know, and that's been, I think, because I want to like live until I'm, you know, I want to live my life. I don't want to like cut my ear off and die. It's just like, there's just like, how much do I want to give myself to this thing? And, and it all to me just comes back to boundaries too. And, and so I agree, I think to, to forbid yourself from scratching that itch um, would be really sad, you know, that would be, um, but then again, the cost of the, what is the cost of scratching the itch? And then like, well, it could be everything. Yeah. It it's could be part everything. of the, the tension between adulthood and 
the itch, you might say, where, uh, you know, you have responsibilities, you have people who rely on you and you have projects that have deadlines and you have, you have all these things that interfere with poetry and, and the group's understanding of poetry. I don't, I don't, I think what is hard in group projects is mm. like the poetic isn't a formula. So yeah. the way this person feels the poetic and this person could be intention and the project could suffer or benefit from it. There's plenty of bands. I feel like where this tension makes them better. Um, but I believe we live in a world increasingly where poetry is, and I mean that term loosely, is not yeah. valued. And yeah. uh, especially like the animation industry is fraught with certain things. I've never worked within it too closely, so I don't, I can't speak to it. But yeah, it's hard to know when it is in self-indulgent practice. Um, the poetry? Following? the poetry you know i can or, imagine yeah yeah because like i can imagine fooling myself you know like oh well the poetry of life led me to this <laughs> conclusion you mm-hmm. know i think of herman Hesse, who like left his entire family i don't know if you ever read his books mm-hmm. but like steppenwolf and he was, the hippies were big into his work and he just like has two clear chapters you know it's like a normal life in the beginning I think he was writing throughout his whole life, but then he just completely abandons his family Mm. and children. And then he's writing about just like, you know, this, uh, this like poetry that borders on oblivion where Um. he's just like dissolving in some sense. I find that responsibility is the opposite. It's like a calcification of your being. And if you have too much of it, you become uh, like a stone. Yeah. And that's why I don't envy these people who have an image in their head and want to get it to paper or can do that because it's so boring to me. Like the process of the hand and the mind as in respect to each other mm-hmm. uh, is more interesting where there's like almost like the hand is interpreting uh, and some things are lost in translation or there's just an acknowledgement that they both have a say in some sense. Mm. And it's interesting in astrology, the mind in the hand are not separate. The mind and the hand are the same. They're represented by Mm. Mercury and it would be the sun. So it's like the mind and hands are seen as the tools of the will and the servant of the, and I think too, and that's why, cause like, symbolically the mercury never mercury is closest to the sun so it never like it's always within a few degrees of the sun so it's always its closest you know it is it's sort of it is it's like kind of um what is that word not squire but kind of like a squire Mm -hmm. um and it makes me what you're saying makes me think of i mean this stuff really scares me it really i'm like uh, thinking about Abraham, you know, the guy that way back in the day, just he, you know, Abraham from the Bible, he's the guy, his story, the guy, the guy. And Literally. he like just walked, he just walked off into the wilderness because his, the voice in his head told him to do that. And it's like, that's where the authenticity part of it comes in. And you're right. Like, had he stayed in his village 
and been like, nah, I need to be responsible. And that's, that's where like in all those spiritual texts that we see, there is that, you know, don't, don't start to confuse responsibility for the end goal because responsibility should always be in the service of like a higher purpose. Like don't let responsibility in itself become the goal. Yeah. Or maybe, I don't know. No, no, that makes that makes sense. Or, or, or to, to be able to break things and disconnect so that then in the repair, then you can kind of re reestablish, okay, well, what is the situation now? And like, let's, where are we now in, in the present moment? What is now actually important? Um, and those two sh- should always be. Well, yeah, I think it reminds me of this C.S. Lewis quote. That's basically whenever anything that isn't God becomes a God, it becomes a demon. And Whoa. he's speaking about, or I don't, I can't recall if he's speaking about romantic love. I think he might be. Um, and mm. cause I, I found that to be accurate. But that would also be true of responsibility or honestly art. You know, Mm -hmm. I used to try to conflate the practices and they're just not, that's too convenient. I realized like they're not the same practice and. Wait, what, what, what two things? uh, One's relationship to God, Mm -hmm. whether you want to call it prayer, meditation, et cetera, worship, and Mm -hmm. then the act of making. You know, oh, I would yeah. be like, I'd be like, oh, this is the same thing. It's just I'm making something at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. bullshit. Largely you bullshit. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> I mean, for a, for a phase, I think in everyone's journey, I think it is important to make that connection to say, why I am I creating? Everyone does. Uh, well, yeah, but, maybe not. But for I me, I guess that was important. Some people are just straight materialist, like sensorial beings who are like, well. Being an artist is cool. It's people like me. It's the validation I got when I was young and it allows me to get away with certain things, of course. And, you know, like there's social components to it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's people I know who make art who are, who are atheists and it isn't a, it's not about communicating with the gods in any way. It's like a remix. And I think. <laughs> And AI, AI is going, I try not to talk about AI because it just comes up so often in my life. It's like, it wouldn't be 2023 if we didn't talk about AI. I know it's horrible, but AI is going to expose something about that process. You know, like AI is a demon, I think, in the sense of (laughs) it, it, it doesn't make things. It, it only remixes things. It can't pull things from the ether. It, it can take from those who had a soul and had the soul to pull from the ether. And it mm-hmm. can make imitations uh, and, and iterations of that thing. Um, and that's scary to me. But the reason is like, I think some people actually make art in that sense, that they're just kind of like, seeing cool things and remixing cool things and then i think there's people who are connected to the divine and are giving this world new material to play with um and they're different types of individuals uh i have my opinion about who's superior but i think they're both essential essential i do think that i think that i think the more i work in teams that's the more I am humbled to think like 
I mean, it's like, I don't know. I heard this term like kin keeping. I heard about this term kin, kin keeping. And I don't know, just all the invisible work that goes into something like the, you know, what's behind the camera versus what's in front of the camera. Um, what is kin, kin keeping? K-I-N? Kin keeping. Oh yeah. That would just be like mom's like all the invisible work that it takes to like schedule things and um, make sure everybody's in the car with their yeah, raise children. Yeah. Raising children, like making sure things are on the calendar meals or just like sort of setting up chairs. Like, I don't know, just like very considerate small actions that if those didn't exist, like nothing else, like the, the main player on the stage couldn't go up there, you know? And so um, to, have, like to keep laughing. that humility. Hmm? I find laughing is, um, or making people laugh or smiling at people. Like on, on hard days, there's like, um, it's weird. It's so cheesy, but that stuff is so important. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I think it's like the little wink, you know, that's yeah. so important to just say like, here we are, like, this sucks. And you know, this sucks. I know this sucks. And we're here playing our roles and like, but this could also be like a game, you know? And then like, to bring in that element of play, you got to have people like that on the crew. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's also interesting when like, there's a certain personality type attracted to certain domains or fields. So you're going to have too many of them. And then you have to figure out <laughs> how to like make, you'll have outliers of course, but I think there, you know, there's a reason people are attracted to animation or fine art or certain things. And then you need outliers and people who are like almost uncomfortable in that identity to, I, they're probably the cornerstone, I believe just making that thing more well-rounded. Wait, who? The people that make you laugh? No, I'm all over the place. The people who feel <laughs> almost uncomfortable or, or are truly outliers. Like uh, my brother runs a civil engineering firm and he is not like an engineer. Mm -hmm. And that makes it an interesting company because he has like a, a personality trait that runs across the grain of the stereotype. And I do think yes. stereotypes like emerge or archetypes, you can call it, emerge in a sense because there's like a pattern of attraction to certain ways of making things or whatever. But I've always been interested in those people who don't, it's really uncomfortable people. They just like uh, can't quite settle into the chair of the stereotype or the archetype. That's so interesting. Is it? Are they like demons? separate <laughs> do we need i mean oh, don't we need demons then i think in some sense there's periods in the church where like artists are just demons because artists are chaotic dismantlers of reality and yeah. they obviously are dangerous at times if not at all like to me that's a mark of a good artist in some ways like there has to be some danger about what they have to possess some power that's yeah. dangerous now, I definitely think there's like chaotic good and, and chaotic bad, but um, those people are, yeah, I don't know if they're they're possessed by some unrest, but everyone, everyone I've ever known is good at art is like pretty, 
um, unrested, I might say. Mm. Well, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm being a little flippant or I'm, I'm just kind of kidding, but I love what you said. I mean, I just love that. I think, and I completely agree. I was just thinking about, you know, that show, the amazing race, um, like people race across the country. Is that it? I think it's like, or I don't know if that's the right one. It's like where the couples, like, it's just like a couple and they have to like deal with race against a bunch of other couples. Yeah. And they like have to chart their way. And it's like the couples that are the most similar in personality, they get stuck at the same problems. You know, it's like they have the same skill sets, So they're going to fail at the same places. Whereas the couples that are much different and more complementary in their personalities, you know, they can help each other when one person can't solve it. The other person can solve it and vice versa. And so I think it's essential to have opposition. It's essential to have opposing views. I mean, so clear, like, yeah, we our governments, China versus us, like that would be the far end of both spectrums. You don't want complete gridlock and you don't want, everybody being a yes man. Um, yeah, yeah. And that is like Positive so hard. Is the, is the goal. And that's actually what real tolerance is. I find it funny. Like, so by definition to me, you can only tolerate something you fundamentally disagree with or don't like, mm. you know, like you can't tolerate people you like or, mm. or people represent things you like. And so that's like a real skill, especially in a relationship that usually when someone's younger, they don't get, they're just like emerging out of high school where they just try to find people to relate to. Mm-hmm. And they have no understanding of like the dynamic of compliments. So they do go towards people who are like them. I find mm-hmm. now well, granted, yeah. people should almost be baffled by like, how could those two people be together? I think there's something to be to be said for that. And it makes me, even when running teams, I'm like, I don't think we all need to like each other, but I think we need to respect each other. Um, yeah. uh, especially when I look at, like, the 90s Chicago Bulls, uh, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen didn't even talk to Dennis Rodman off the court. Oh, yeah. Um, but when- <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, you watch sports, you assume they're like all friends. Yeah. They're absolutely not. And, but they. Dennis Rodman is like the best example of this that you could have pulled. But yeah, I love that. Um, but what are, so like just to reach the earth again. Um, yes. What projects are you working on now? Well, not none. I'm doing my own thing. So. I, uh, I guess like for my own kind of personal reasons, I just had to, I had like a lot of, I had, I had a crazy end of last year where I moved like three times in one, one and a half months and all the fallout and chaos from that. And so I was just kind of ready for a break, but, um, I had been on a string of stuff since, like even before the pandemic, I was on, okay, so I was at Warner Brothers on art directing a project for Ellen DeGeneres called Little Ellen. And that was a blast. That was so fun. Um, but I was only on that for three months. And then I got um, hired 
uh, onto, or I was, um, offered a job at Netflix to art direct this show called Carol. Um, and it just, it was, the story was awesome. Like the script was so cool. Like I loved the little Ellen project. I think I had my own, you know, like I was able to find some of my own reasons to want to do, um, to do that specifically. But I think Carol, cause that was more of a pre-K show and it wasn't my own like look, I, I was, it had to look more like kids, kind of like a kid's kid show, um, storybooky, but the Carol script was awesome. It was like, it was an adult, um, like black comedy and just like kind of free reign with the style. So I was, I decided to do that. And then I worked, that was like 2020, right as the pandemic started, I got onto that show and I was on that for, well, since the end or until the end of 2021. And then I took like a three month hiatus and then I went over to Gentry. Um, I, so both of those shows were being, yeah. If you want to talk like studio politics, I can talk studio politics. Um, but what is that? Essentially, <laughs> oh, uh, Netflix animation. I mean, Netflix animation um, was going to do both of those shows. So Netflix produced Carol and Gentry, but um, it, I guess we got kind of lucky because there started to be the shift at the end of when I was on Carol, where I think Netflix discovered, Oh, it was just with all of the stock, like the news with Netflix's stock dropping. I think they decided like, Oh, we have to change things up. And they, they decided to kind of like get rid of a lot of the in-house production art that they were doing and then making that uh, sacrifice to have to get it made in other places. Um, and so that's how Gentry it was greenlit at Netflix and then moved over to, they decided to have it produced at Titmouse, which is a smaller, um, like I would say boutique kind of, they're, they're like, they're well known for doing like they did an infinity train and midnight gospel. I worked okay. there for midnight gospel and stuff too. So, um, but yeah. And then just so the hectic chaotic time for animation which is what balmer tells me oh yeah um and where is he at is he is he at so hard to keep track of y'all the way you just kind of like jump Definitely. in and out of projects but i yeah. think i think he's on this adventure time spinoff but i think oh, he's yeah. technically freelance um i don't know i don't get it i always think someone has a job at a studio and then right and then suddenly they don't but i guess when shows in that's just how it goes yeah um it's I like think, the wild west yeah i think it's exactly like the wild west <laughs> <laughs> so you you're um in a period of transition um yeah i took like i took like well i think i was like anxious about it was hard for me to quit i did not want to admit that I couldn't do it. Um, but like that job is super hard. It is, it is a slog. And I think I still, like I've been doing it for nearly 10 years, but it just seems like there's no way around it. You can't, it can't be sustainable. It's, it's really hard to make that job sustainable and also feel like you're 
doing a good job or ending the day, like feeling proud that you got it all done. Um, and so a lot of the time I just felt like things were slipping through my fingers. Um, and I think like quality or just, uh, Oh, all of it. Yeah. yeah. But mostly quality. Yeah. Cause it, it would always have to be maybe in the interest of the schedule and like where like the job at the end of it kind of feels felt to me like, um, just how can we get this done as cheaply as possible? Sure. Um, but you know, with the way that the industry is, we were all kind of like, well, we're just grateful that the show is getting made and, you know, we're happy that it's an awesome show. So, but like, for me, it's just like, Oh, I can't, I want to be able to do this. I want to be able, but I have just been too, through too much. So I had to, yeah, I had to admit like retreat and get, uh, get some rest. Um, then you intend to go back into the fray. I don't know. So right now I've got the only thing on my horizon is, um, a gallery show. I have a little solo show in August at gallery nucleus, mm. which was the first gallery I ever showed at. So I don't know. It's just awesome. Like it feels, it feels like I am having to reckon with my goals and what I want. And I think maybe for a bit, I was running away from painting. Um, I think like it was a total honor to be an art director and to get to have such an influence over an entire production and hire, you know, hire people and be, be a boss. But like, I think I was really sad because it, it did feel like, well, this is what I have to do because I can't paint. Like I can't support myself as a painter. I can't, I cannot do that thing. So this is the second best thing. It was, it definitely wasn't like my first. And okay. now that I've had the time to see that, like it, I don't know. It's like bittersweet. It's sad. It makes me feel like, oh, I was running away from this thing that I really want and have to face that because the things that we want the most, we're the most afraid of it. And if we really, really, really want it, I think it's even, even more scary. So, but yeah, I'm just trying to, do it again, you know, like find that rhythm, find the creative stream. Well, it's, it's fair to say the fear is financial, right? The fear is financial for sure. Yeah. So there's, it's not like <laughs> I'm trying to parse. I do agree that fear is a great indicator of where to go, but in respect to financial fear, I do think it's founded at times. Uh -huh. Yeah. I think there's like more of a metaphysical principle of like your your being is afraid of this route because it's what you need. But then mm -hmm. I think there's all, there's all like more um, earthly fears of just like, okay, what is this market? What is this job? And how does it all work? And to get that all to align is a, I guess it's like a lifetime's journey. And even the people who seem like they have it, don't have it. I find I often do ask if like people are doing what they want to be doing, you know, and mm -hmm. it's good when people are honest about, well, this is the second best thing that I can be doing, which is a blessing. It sounds crazy. I, I feel bad saying that like that. It really, I, I wouldn't say that. I would say there are seasons and for my, for the season I was in, I absolutely needed that job. 
Um, you know, I wanted to buy a house. So I was like doing the best that I could for myself. Like it was my number one choice. Um, but then I'm like, I can't buy a house in this market in California, like on my, on my own, like this, it it's like, why worry, why stress so much if I'm going to be sacrificing my health and my happiness and like making no, myself. I mean, the fact that you're crazy. even considering buying a house in California with a job <laughs> involving drawing things is, uh, is an accomplishment. It's yeah, sure. that, yeah. That's pretty bold. But, um, so you're going back to painting. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the the thing that's important when one pursues fine art as a career is the recognition that it is not a compromise free career or place. And when that is acknowledged, then I think things go a little more smoothly because there's typically more idealism built around that notion. But you know, from the fine artists I've worked with who still have careers, uh, I think they were very realistic and pragmatic about what they had to do. Mm. And it wasn't always comfortable or what they would prefer. Maybe you got to sell paintings to some person who just puts it in a storage, you know, facility for a decade and then sells it and never gave a shit about your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's often actually at a certain level, like, People look at it from the investment perspective very often. So although they say the grass is always greener, I think there's a function to that um, saying that is very practical. Yeah, there's got to be both. Um, I, my One of my favorite phrases is, is the juice worth the squeeze? You know, sure, I would, sure, sure. like that would always be my question at you know, on, on production, just be like, should we do this? I don't know how, how, how valuable is it? But, oh, I have just discovered another really nerdy thing. So I, I'm, I love astrology as a tool. I think it's really helpful. Um, have you heard of human design? Human design? Yeah. No, I already don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) It's so, it's so like new age. It was like, sure. It was like, I can uh, do that. It was a combination of the I Ching and astrology, and it was given to some dude named Ra several years ago as a download. And oh, Ra, Ra was given it? Yeah, this guy. Or he changed his name after he received this oh, divine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. It's honestly, it's like, honestly, like, it's crazy. Like, it does... Uh, like I've, I've plugged in my friends and I find it to be really helpful. So the whole deal is there's four types and that's why people don't like it. I didn't like it at first when I found out about it. Wait, wait, why? Because there's types? There's five. Okay. I think there's like four or five types. Okay. But it's like. What's wrong with that? The majority of the population is one type, which is the generators. And so then basically like when you first, if, if you're going to human design uh, as a way to like make yourself feel maybe like special, it might not make you feel special because you may find out like, oh, wow, I'm one of the, I'm not like, so there's like a reflector, which is like 1% of the population manifestors are like 9% and um, projectors are like 
20%. I can't do math, but like then everybody else is like the generators. I'm a generator. Um, You're a generator? I'm a generator. Yes. I'm an emotional generator. I'm just whatever um, the lowest percentage is, I'm going to be that. That's my no. You want to be the most. I'm kidding. You want to be the most rare? Of course you do. I bet you're a generator. I mean, most artists I know are generators and the way it works is like, it's, oh yeah, it's based on the, sh- the chakras. Um, so basically if your sacral center is activated, you are a generator and that means you can produce energy and you can create and you're here to like make life and joy happen on the earth. If you're like a manifester, it means you it's something else. It's like you're, you don't have a sacral. You just got nothing down there. You got, well, you're like, it's like Pharaoh energy. Like they, they just like speak directly from their throat chakra. They don't have any, it's like, I don't know. It's something crazy where they just go around commanding people. Big, big Pharaoh energy, big Pharaoh energy. But the thing, so I'm bringing it up just because. No, I love this shit. I'm looking at it right now. It's like, you know, it's like, what are we doing with our energy? And I would, that's the challenge on production. I've been familiar with just burning myself out and going right past that burnout and just being like, what else can I take to simulate myself to like do this job? And I know I'm not alone. I know so many people that are like working two jobs, you know, like my friend is like, he's got two 40 hour jobs and he does one of them like completely on the weekend and he just takes a bunch of Adderall and does it all in one day. It's like, I'm like, why are we killing ourselves? Like this is not. And so for me, I started to pay attention. Like, well, when I'm told to do something or like when I have to do something, it just immediately zaps my energy. Well, that's something to like pay attention to. And I used to feel really guilty when I would, do that when I would just get completely zapped. Um, and I think one of the maturation processes is of course, like finding a reason to want to do something that you don't initially want to do. But if you've sought for, you know, if you've looked and looked and looked, you cannot find a reason and it still is draining to you. Like why force yourself to do something? And for me, I think, that's just starting to be, I think the more people start to pay attention to what lights them up genuinely and authentically, and they like want to go into that thing, like, and not listening to fears that would keep them like, so I don't know, I'm just saying like, I felt a lot of energy come up now that I'm able to focus on what I want to focus on. I'm able to kind of fully dive into what interests me. Um, And that's not to say I wasn't interested in my previous project, but I think the, the job changed over time. It stopped becoming like, Oh, let's set up the show, hire the team, um, you know, establish the look. And then it shifted into like, okay, this is the day-to-day management of this enormous production Um, and that's when I just was like, I can't, I can't do this. Like, it's just, it, it felt overwhelming. Um, Mm -hmm. but I've also done that side of it earlier. My, that was the first job that I had was doing, it was like tables were turned. My art director at the time he left and I took over 
and I was super green. I'd never done it before, but it was a great learning experience. So, you know, both, both stages are helpful. I just knew at this time I was like, I, I can't, this isn't for me this time. Like, and so the scary part was to, to leave and to say, I have to, I have to not be worried about making money right now. I have to trust that if I'm going to do like, if I'm going to follow my gut and do what really gives me energy and makes me excited, like I'm going to have to trust that that will lead to something. Um, you know, and if I am applying my practical mindset to it as well, like, yeah, hopefully I can find that good marriage of, of, I mean, that's, to me, that's like, that's just, that's the meaning of life is like, how can you, how can you give other people, give to other people and yourself at the same time? And if you can find a way to do that in the most seamless and like efficient way, that seems like that would be, you can't get, you couldn't get any better than that. I don't think. Mm-hmm. So are you saying you're a generator, but you were acting like a non-generator? <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Or just like to, yeah, to, to do something that didn't interest or excite me. It took me away. It just felt like it wasn't aligned with efficiency. Like I wasn't, I wasn't operating well, but like when I'm doing, you know, when I'm working on a color script, I'm like, I, you know, I just, I can't step away. Like I'm so engaged. I'm so, there's certain steps of the job that I'm just like, I love this and it flows so easily. And it's not to say like, I just want that all the time. Like it's like eating candy all the time. But I think that to find, to make sure that you're getting enough of that. And I think, um, I think to know that that's just like how we work and to not feel guilty. Yeah. I just remember I was asked to do something once. It was like this on one on a production several years ago, I was supposed to be doing this thing. And I just couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And whenever I thought about it, I would immediately get sleepy. I was just like, it was almost like I just wanted to fall asleep as soon as I thought of that thing. And I felt like bad. I felt like an evil person. I felt like, oh, I'm just so contrarian and disobedient. And like, I was just judging myself super harshly. But um, out of that experience, I was like looking back and like, there was a lot of wisdom there, like in myself. Like I knew that that wasn't the right process or like it wasn't the steps that I needed to take to get to the thing I needed. And it was like almost just, uh, I don't know, in some way, my deep, deeper self, like guiding, like protecting me saying like, no, you're not going to use your energy for this thing. You're going to be putting your energy over here. <laughs> and like, in a way I'm like kind of glad that those, that exists because it keeps us from just spinning away endlessly into nothingness. Are you prone to being a contrarian? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. What a contrarian needs to sort out is, are they being reactive or are mm. they adding something to the group that is missing? Because I think mm. there's a there's like a reason artists tend to be contrarians because they they should be providing what is lacking in society. Wow. Now that's their positive orientation. I think their negative is they're just reactive. They're just shocking. They're just fucking with people as a troll. Mm. Um, 
but, but that's trickster. That's trickster energy, right? We what kind, those trickster. What kind of, oh, I'm all about the trickster. Yeah. You got <laughs> I like anything that has types and then it has like a huge swath of people that are one type. I think that's just feels accurate to reality. Like even with um, Briggs Meyer, what is it? Myers Briggs. I always flip it. Like there's percentage breakdowns there that are like, you can be like 0.1% and then there's a bunch, you know? So I think um, for whatever reason in this world, it's not. You know, some people are the meat and some people are the potatoes, some people are the spices. I find that artists are the spices. And when you have too many of them involved in something, it just becomes that, you yeah. know, there's no substance. It's just like the energy is off. But yeah, I'll get into human design for two weeks and then forget about it. But it looks cool. Salt and light, right? <laughs> got to be salt and light. But Tell me what you are, though. I would love to know. My guess is you're a generator. How do I know what the fuck I am? I don't even know what this is. Oh, you just put in your birth chart or your birth time, like the way you would look up your astrology. My my mother's incredibly um, (laughs) doesn't give a shit about what time I was born. I think by the time you have the fifth kid, you're like, you pretty much don't care. But uh, is your mom Catholic? Your family Catholic? Yeah. Yeah. So would she, does she have issues with astrology? My sister does. Um, well, she doesn't have issues. She's just like, I don't know if I need to use that. Like, I think what's, yeah, it's it's always interesting being um, Catholic and being interested in kind of novel thought systems, which I'm hmm. both. Because um, like aesthetically, you're always attracted to like, oh, this is so weird. There's these graphs and stuff. And then the Bible is like something you're much more used to. and hmm. Of course, there's Bible passages against astrology. Um, I'm more interested in the esoteric Christian stuff. I don't know. She's not hard. She. I don't think she would be like, she's like into Chinese New Year stuff. So I don't think she's opposed nice. to, to astrology at all. Um, I think she's, she's just a very intellectual person with a science, kind of a scientific bend. So mm. I think that's what would turn her off. I don't think mm. it would have anything to do with Catholicism. But, but frankly, I just, I've had people try to look things up and, um, I, she just gives me like a really rough birth time, but I feel like, uh, the ex- the exact time matters, right? It does. Pretty but much. Don't you, but don't you also think that the people in the waiting room are probably pretty like, <laughs> like they're, they don't care about astrology. They could be like five minutes later and they just, Oh yeah. Them. That's why everybody's like rounding, you know. It's like their birth times are always like five, like rounding up to five, you know? So who knows? But okay, well, that's why, that's why you I'll can never it. take it too seriously. But I, I mine, mine by being a generator already, but Aww. I need to look into it. Yeah, you'll get over it. You'll get over it. We all go, all the generators go through that. Um, I mean, it sounds cool to be a generator. We're open and enveloping, you know? Um, yeah, you're tra- it's attractive energy. It's like you're make, you're cooking your own little stew in there and people Damn, want 70 percent of people are generators feels like rare i think pre-consumerist society maybe there's that many generators i'm pretty sure there's not too many people generating uh that kind of energy or i'm or i'm not hanging out with them apparently i think it's like i don't know i think it's like i'm being too literal probably i, I, I can acknowledge i just think that that 
that like, well, there is something to be earned spiritually. You don't just like being a generator sounds like a great outcome, <laughs> but if you neglect your soul, then I don't know if you're any of these things in the sense of, uh, mm. there's yeah, this, yeah, like, yeah. That's you know, the whole this, point though. Cause it's yeah. like, you've got to be living on your design. Like that's, it, it's like, we, sorry, just not to please keep, please you, tell your you story know. about I just to my friend is found out that he was a, um, a manifestor generator. And it was like, I don't know what other word it was like salvation. It was like, he did not feel like an outcast anymore. He didn't feel weird. He's never had like a tribal vibe to him. Like he never wants, you know, like stuff that felt super easy for other people. He just never, but when he looked at his chart, he was like, Oh, this, I'm not designed for that. I'm actually designed for this other kind of thing. And it allowed him to be at peace and there not to be this crazy war of like, who should be what? And, who, and it's just like this simple system yeah. to say, I'm perfect the way that I am. Did I you just, say he's a manifestor, not a generator? Oh yeah. Sorry. There's like, I think the fifth type is like a manifestor generator. Oh, so that's, I missed I, that. I'm looking up. Uh, oh, that is there manifesting generator. Yes. So they're already progressing. There's five types. And then there's something else about not, no, like projectors not existing before the 70s or something. I don't know. I do not understand that. Who made this up? Oh, Ra. Ra. Ra did. Is it, is it, is it uh, all the rage right now? It's all the rage. Well, it's kind of becoming the rage. And then, oh my God, like. There's like another thing in uh, 2027. If you look up human design 2027, you will see some shit. There's like apparently some big, another big, like remember 2012. It's like another one of those things, but this is. No, I don't. <laughs> wait, 20. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. World. Or, wasn't world that was... like the Maya New Year, or like the end of the world apocalypse? Oh. Like, was like. Yeah, but, but something happened? No, no, no. It was like, it was like, uh, Y2K. It was like, what's going to happen after this year? We don't know because that's the year the Mayan calendar stopped. So people yeah. were like, we weren't yeah, sure yeah. if it's just, yeah. But that maybe something, I guess I can't argue. Maybe something happened. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe the world ended and I. Stuff definitely happened in 2020. Oh, oh yeah. I can't imagine a year when. <laughs> <laughs> things don't happen but so you're going to uh after this painting show mm -hmm. i mean do you imagine dying as an animator you're just gonna you're gonna um i like to ask people how they imagine dying are you gonna you know can you envision yourself progressing to a completely different career uh i think yeah, I think my latest, I was doing a lot of journaling about it. And I think my little vision currently is like, it seems very attractive to be a painter. Just like that's, um, so like being in the woods in a cottage and I just spend all day either writing or reading or painting and then like finding a way to like, support myself through that that i think would be my the way i'd like to die um as a, as a hermit 
Well, maybe I, maybe I have a partner there. I don't know. And then like the cottage in the woods is like close by to a yoga studio, hopefully. Um, and have you ever lived like that? Kind of like my, my folks grew up or I grew up in like the middle of nowhere. Uh, the town was about 15 minutes away. Mm -hmm. Um, so it feels familiar. Like I love, I love that. I love having the like retreats and then like also like coming out into the world and being around people. Um, I think, I think I just reached a, finally reached a point where I could consider having like assistance. I don't know. What do you think about having artistic assistance? Because what do you mean? Like felt, somebody who paints some shit that's like the block, block the color in? Whatnot? Yeah. Like, like kind of like maybe I was thinking, this was a train of thought. I was like, I can paint more tiny, rough digital thumbnails and then I can ever conceivably produce like in actuality. And then I was like, well, what if I just kind of use that model that I'm familiar with of like an animation crew and just kind of use that as just the basic skeleton of how I would work with assistants. Um, and it would be, I don't know, like how it normally works. I think, is it, is it typically just more like human printers where they like project like the art, the, mm the studio artist projects their rough onto a canvas and that um, assistance like. Yeah. They kind of blocked that in. I'm, I'm not opposed to it. I, I think, I think the Renaissance era model makes sense and is oft forgotten that, you know, those artists had schools and, and help. And uh, I think it makes sense. I think. But it would be, I mean, that would just, I don't even know that feels like something far off. Like that, that feels like a way to support myself and almost, you know, be a business owner in a way, like be my own, yeah, yeah. I mean, be a boss, question, which I don't know. Question for me is like, are you a witch in the sense? Do you, do you imbue the object via your process with meaning and a certain kind of power, you know, like, I think those two things run contrary efficiency and then the sacrifice of energy put into an object that can become like supercharged. So mm. in that ways, I think the capitalistic demand for efficiency runs contrary to like this hyper precious process that creates hyper precious objects. Mm. Um, and the question is, can you live with that? Uh, almost like ethically for me, like I'm interested in finding images. I'm not too concerned with, I mean, I am concerned with how in the sense of like, I'm not, I don't want to sit there with AI prompts and make like derivations on my drawings, but I'm really interested in what is like a compelling image more than even more than how I make it. Mm. Um, so I'm not too ma material in, in that sense. Um, but when I have the moment, if I had an infinite lifespan, of course I'd be imbuing everything with fingerprints and sweat and <laughs> my being, you know, um, what is your, what is your material process in risk? I don't know. In respect to what? <laughs> well, are you, I don't know. Like, well, just what do, so I do is the first, is the first uh, question there. Like, Hmm. You talking about drawing? Well, hang on. First, before I want to clarify, 
Mm-hmm. Like I, the idea of having an assistant, like literally like trace my, like have the projector project my painting rough and then have the person like essentially trace it. I hate that idea. I cannot stand that idea. Like that makes me sad for that assistant. Like what I see maybe is something more akin to how I collaborate with my painters or designers on a show where I give them that initial like kick of like a direction. And let's say it's like, you know, let's say my rough is like 50% figured out or there's some percentage of it where I am allowing the artist freedom and I'm allowing the person to have some interpretation. And then like, is there a way to credit both of us? Is there a way to have, you know, give that, you know, of course I'm compensating them and how would I do that? And like, does, has anybody, you know, is anybody else doing this right now? And like, I don't know, it just, that feels better to me. And I don't know if that is addressing what you're talking about, about being a witch. Is that being a witch? Um, well, that sounds like a nightmare, what you just described. (laughs) Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because like, Hmm. I, I think there's individuals who are at a point in their career where like that would be sufficient and satisfying. And when I collaborate, I want to collaborate with someone. I don't know. You have to, I am very paternal in some ways. Like you have to earn that. And, yeah. and there's stages in life. There's initiation, et cetera. So if my assistant then after 10 years or something was you know, had their own identity that was idiosyncratic and uh, the two could work together, then absolutely. But uh, I think we all start at least, and this is, this. I don't even think this is related to capitalism. It's just kind of growth in general. It's like we all start as a kind of undifferentiated, well, maybe not start. I should say as we grow up, we kind of become more calcified and simplified. Uh, and then we kind of earn the right to, to reemerge and blossom like with decades of sweat. Um, you know, on a team, I think oftentimes the people brought in initially are fit into systems um, and they don't have a lot of expression, but it's kind of necessary for them to understand the language of the culture. And mm-hmm. then as they earn their right to, to kind of express themselves, they take on bigger roles. So I think it's fine to have assistance that maybe are less involved um, until they kind of earn that. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like juicy, like that direction feels exciting. And I think the more, I think the first step is just doing it all myself first, like from the ground up, like knowing exactly how a person would fit into that process. Um, Yeah. In a sense, you have to earn that. Yeah. You have to earn the, in a sense, the right to, dehumanize someone it, i view it as it's essentially a dehumanization uh, or, or to set up boundaries to be like okay here if you want to do a gradient here's how sure you do the gradient don't do it this way you know just yeah, maybe, yeah. it's an educational process not a collaborative one and maybe dehumanization is a strong word what i mean <laughs> i mean that when the process outweighs the humanity of someone that's that's yes. dehumanization um but hey if they don't like it they can they can, they can. Yes. So there's, there's, uh, some people find that relaxing and I understand why it's a reduction of choice, mm-hmm. but you don't want to get stuck in that. That's this, that's a step towards something, not a way to live. I, I, I feel, yeah. um, you asked a question about 
how I draw. Is that right? Yeah. So what, what is your, like these days, what are you doing? Like, are you still doing like big well, paintings? What like <laughs> what do you, no, yeah, I, don't, I don't know anything about what you've been up to. Like, what have you been up to? No, I know, but the show is not about me. Um, oh, sorry. No, no, no. People ask me this all the time. I, I, oh, I do a lot of things and mm. many of them involve furniture design and, and graphic design. And then I run an art center and then I draw when I have time, unfortunately drawing, although I illustrate and certain things that drawing for personal purposes, comics, et cetera, is like really low on the rung, but I'm 34 and it, you know, like, I think I owe, I owe society a more service oriented and practical output. Than what? Comics or what? Yeah, yeah, my comics are insane. I, I feel loved like, old growth. It was so good. Oh, way. thanks. That was under that was a uh, comprehensive. You know that that one could be comprehended. Um, I I'm proud of that, and it's easier to be proud of when you you do it with a friend, Neve. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, that was a but um, you know, I I just imagine I'm gonna have to grind it out. In a good way. Like I'm very happy to work the way I work and what I work on for the next decade and then uh or more. And then uh I feel like I might be bookended by comics in my life, you know. Oh, and I I have no issue with that. I, I don't uh I'm not a cartoonist. I don't want to be a cartoonist in 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 ident in identification, you know. Yeah. I like always want and it's not always a good thing, but like I'm always interested in growth in different fields and um if i see a weakness like uh i kind of go towards it and sometimes that's to the detriment of my time to make art but i think art was really holding me back in terms of maturation so um you know it's, there's something pathetic about like i i definitely recognize that there's something pathetic about not being able to build or fix things around me or not understand how things around me worked and uh which kind of loose relates to my car breaking down at tijuana and this it's a long story but this man just being like making me feel worthless in a good way you know because i i could reflect on myself and just be like oh i know how to draw <laughs> it's like uh it's like wow your car's broken down in tijuana right now oh my god and uh and this guy's making some good points. What did you and think? Yeah. He, he was grilling you on oh, it's how to so complicated. He change your oil. He thought I was having sex with his daughter, who I definitely wasn't. But I, oh. I just offered to drop her off at a at her house in Tijuana because I'd never been there. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, he can be suspicious. That's justifiable. But um, so, like, they wouldn't let me. <laughs> they fixed the car for me, but they wouldn't let me enter their house. It was very interesting. <laughs> But in that moment, he kind of just like lectured me a bit in a paternal sense about like, like in some ways, like being practical. He was like a former drug dealer turned cop, which is probably interesting. Probably not, a, not a huge difference there. This story is crazy and long, but uh, yeah, it sounds amazing. Yeah. Did he look uh, at your soft 
beautiful hands and make fun of no him. but neve's dad did that once and he was like oh it looks <laughs> like it don't really work <laughs> kind of thing and now you know i have like i broke a thumb and uh Yikes. my hands look like i don't know there's ancestral things at play there's a lot of builders in my family and fixers mm-hmm. and and uh not to get all human mind with it or human design but <laughs> there's like uh something to be said about connecting with that and sometimes being an artist making weird comics you're disconnected from a lot of yeah a lot of those things you know well like you it's in some ways like your instinct to be holy and that that word holy is so laden with religious baggage but that's the essence of that word is to be a whole person um but also to have the grace to know yeah where you can't like it's okay. You can't do it all, but to yeah. a, the extent that you can achieve balance, like I think that should always be um, desirable. That's yeah. like the for me. That's the trick, you know. It's um, but it, it's via other people that you understand f- uh, more efficiently what you're missing and what you have. So. I don't, I don't know. I am skeptical of isolated practices and, and, um, we are social creatures, even if we don't want to be. So that's partially oh. why I think about the hermetic thing. Um, I had, I had those fantasies when I was younger, but it sounds like you've lived it. So it's completely different, but I'm just a suburban dude. And, uh, I came to terms with, um, nah, that's not, that's not where it's at for me. Yeah. You know, like, uh, it was just an escape made, made manifest in a kind of a fantasy. Oh, I can't go back to that. Like I spent like, so I was so, but I needed that. Like I just, I could, I needed to find myself like a sense of self in me. Like that was so elusive to me. I went out like, I think, this was right uh, before I met you for the show, but I had basically spent two years completely isolated in Texas in the middle of nowhere. I lived in my childhood home and my parents had moved. So like, they were like, well, the house is empty. Do you want to just paint there? And I was like, sure. So I lived there rent free for, you know, at least on and off for like two ish years. And that's where I was making my paintings. And it was, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't ever do that again, but I think I needed it. And it was like, a I could just let my inner child go crazy. And it, it was important, I think, but damaging, um, you know, I lost, like I, I did have to spend a long time rebuilding relationships because you don't maintain relationships when you're all, um, isolated and I did this after a big breakup so it was kind of also that that was the reason mm-hmm. but um it was weird it was like I didn't know how to I didn't know like I remember moving back and being like which eye do I look into for like the when I'm talking to a person do I neither pick an eye you know yeah yeah it was like I, I just no, no, like no. lost that skill you know this trick that only people who don't, who are socially awkward need to know. Um, if you look at right between the, in the middle, at like the bridge of the nose, it looks like you're looking directly into both eyes. Yeah. I had to like relearn yeah. that. 
skill. Yeah, I had to like read how? Like body language. <laughs> uh, That's it's important. Fun. You need to know. Um, but I think like, wait, but how old were you when you, when you had the lecture from the guy? Well, the lecture is a part of this a journey, but the realizations I made were like 28. Um, and it's like a very, very, um, complicated cocktail of realizations that all amounted to certain, you know, moving back to New Jersey and coming to terms with, I, how would I word it? It's just like, like I was subhuman as an artist. Mm. That's all I can say. It's like, I was subhuman. There's no like heart connection to. Yeah. Yeah, is that what you mean? I just like lizard brain, your pure lizard brain, maybe. No, I'm just kidding. But it was just like um, it was compulsive. It was obsessive. It was disconnected from. By subhuman, I mean like humans meant very little to me. Mm. See, but that was the illusion. Is like they did mean a tremendous amount, but I couldn't access the meaning. It was um, buried in all the abstraction and and goals that I had at the time. And uh, these practices I do now where I like, I don't know, I'm in meetings like half of the day. Uh, I have to be human, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I have to understand humans and understand myself. Those were not requirements before, but they all add up to a healthier being um yeah don't you think a lot of that subhuman work you're talking about i mean is that subconscious like that's like stuff of the id like that you know just and and almost like you have to work that out does it does it make you feel better to know that that all aligned with like your saturn return that it was all maybe like supposed to be like that was the right timing for it are you are you um, saying that that it was? I don't know much about the return of Saturn, but oh, every thirty years, Saturn makes a complete cycle, like the sun. So that's like a birthday for Saturn is thirty years. So every thirty years, you get another year older in terms of Saturn. Okay, so yeah, I'll make comics when I'm sixty. That's, yeah, yeah, that's you'll have fine. another. You'll have another. Like, it's basically like your karma all the lessons that you're supposed to be learning in your life. And then you learn them. And then around 28 Saturn starts to approach like where it was when you were born. And so it's almost like the last few degrees of the Zodiac that remain that it's never touched. It's like Saturn has made a complete circle around your chart, like 95%. You know, and then like, so the rest of the 5%, if you haven't learned all of the lessons that you're supposed to learn, because that's, that's the whole point Saturn teaches you everything you need to know throughout as he goes, as he goes around the, um, the wheel. But then like, yeah, so the idea is if you haven't learned all the lessons, if you've avoided it, um, those last five percent degree or like those last that last five percent can be pretty hard like it's it's notorious for like i don't know saturn returns if you go in no i made it out i made it yeah you did it but that was like the right timing it's like that it was the right for you to ask there's no regret 
there's no so you're working more like a teacher now or like a community art like leader you have like a well hmm (laughs) some might disagree with that assessment but i i think um yeah i like i like teaching education i like hierarchies i like management I like every, I I just like, I mean, I have four brothers, so I like wolf pack kind of just like uh, figuring things out. And um, I like small units of dedicated people often Mm -hmm. in resistance to something, you know, I like star Wars, Lord of the Rings, et cetera. We can't all be compliant generators being 70%. No, I don't, I don't know what the, (laughs) but I, yeah, that's, that's just what I like. I like sports. You know, I, I need that kind of um, tension, but it, it runs contrary to sitting in a room and drawing a comic sometimes. So, I um, yeah, we can we can. I should be more public about what I'm doing, but it's not important to me at the moment. But um, I have I to run. Of, um, oh. but Eaton's the general with a live accompaniment at the art center. Um, the what? Buster Keaton, you know him? Yes. Uh, I'm showing a 1926 film, The General, and there's a man playing piano, and I have to meet him briefly to set up. Um, okay. But do you have a joke? I tend to end on a joke. Uh, no, but yeah. I was just going to say there. it takes a lot of ingredients to make a soup. A soup? A soup. And well, that's it. assuming you want to end up with a soup, right? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I want like that. soups. I want, I, you don't I want don't, soup. No, I, I like delineation in food. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> like a well, big piece of meat, and then like mashed potatoes, and then there's like the beans. As and long like, as there's slow cooked beef in there somewhere. Sure. Well, what I like about that is each thing is like very clearly its own entity but they help each other i'm very suspicious of like entropic blobs and uh like uh like a soup yes but you know i like stews big fan of stews actually (laughs) um i'm sorry i don't have a joke that's okay so when is your show uh august august 26th i think all right, this will be out in time. Um, yeah, one day I'll explain what I do. Do it. Do your own, yeah, do like a, a little interview with yourself. Oh, yeah, I'm going to have somebody interview me soon. So that'll be, that'll be good. But it was good uh, talking to you. It was great to talk to you. Um, I'll see you around. Thanks for tuning in. Music by Dory Bavarsky and Mingja Chend. Next up, we have Ron Ewert.